Hello and welcome to a special Three Worlds podcast that I'm doing that is dedicated to the shamanic aspects of the coronavirus and wherever else we wander onto. like maybe that's a piece of music to open a television news program to medieval style it's actually a 14th century piece of music uh type of music called a louder novella and uh, it's from italy and it's very much connected to the plague i thought i would cheer you up it dates to around about 1350 which is when the black death was at its height in europe and uh italy was particularly um infected by it and uh well just about everywhere was really and um that was the type of music that was connected to the plague so it seemed very appropriate with the situation especially in italy to play a little bit of medieval news introduction music it was performed by a wonderful group of musicians called the martin best medieval ensemble by the way and i hope you enjoyed it so we live in very interesting times and I hope that you're listening to this and that you're well and that you're safe and your family is safe and everything in your life is kind of going okay for you and you're not in danger of losing your job and all of the other great upheavals that are happening to just about everybody in the Western world at this time. I'm sitting here, it's uh, morning, I'm in Pembrokeshire, I look out of my window and everything looks completely normal. The country lane is empty of traffic, but then it normally is. The hills are green and covered in gorse bushes with their yellow flowers, and it's really beautiful out there. And it's really strange to imagine what's going on in lots of places on the earth at this time. I feel quite remote from it, living in this rural place. My life is a life of self-isolation anyway. There are many days when I don't see anybody at all, apart from maybe the postman or a courier that brings a package. And so in many ways, this whole idea of self-isolation is just what I do. It's my life. It's been my life for a long time. I'm an antisocial bunny, so I don't go out very much. So it really doesn't make a lot of difference to me. But to some people, it's making a huge difference. So I send blessings and prayers to all of you who maybe are finding that your lives are really, really disrupted. And because of all of that, it felt like really important time to do something, a special one-off podcast. I'm going to be doing a new series of podcasts soon, but this is the time maybe to just do this little one here. So, let's make a start. 
I thought I'd like to start by uh, telling you about a dream that I had last night. And in a way, it's part of the, the sort of impetus to, to do this podcast because of the dream. I'm quite a dreamer. I dream a lot and I enjoy dreaming. I'm not good at all at telling you how you should dream. They just happen to me and I kind of don't have a lot of control over them. But I dream a lot and I differentiate between the nonsense dreams and medicine dreams. For me, the nonsense dreams... Uh, to quote Dickens, more of gravy than the grave to them. Um, uh, they are the, the sort of processing dreams and they're just kind of, you know, enjoyable or not and just nonsense, like the name says. But the medicine dreams, they have a clarity to them and sometimes my spirits come in and sometimes I work with, with groups of shamans and we do ceremony and all sorts of stuff. So they have a different quality to them. They're much more lucid. So I dreamt last night that I was in a classroom with lots of children and the children were being children and there was one child in particular that was kind of bloated, I guess is a good way of putting it, a bloated child, red in the face, I guess they were about six or seven, can't remember if they were a girl or a boy, it doesn't really matter, but they looked different, they looked weird. And from out of this, this child, a large bird demon manifested. It rose out of this child and kind of settled above the child. And it was kind of terrifying. And all of the, all of the children in the classroom were, were very frightened by it. And it was intimidating even for me in the dream. But I also realized that I actually had to... Um, not get sucked into any kind of anxiety about it. And I started to taunt it because it was a bird and I kind of was saying things like, who's pretty boy then? And pretty Polly and kind of stuff like that, really, really being quite provocative to this fiery demonic bird being. And I didn't know quite what to do about it. And I sat for a long time and, and the, the children were, were being tortured by it. It was telling the children what to do and the children were, were being tortured and were in, a, in a, a terrible, terrible state with it. And I, I actually, I wandered outside of the classroom and I thought for a little while outside and thought, what do I do about it? And then I came back into the classroom and I got, the children, one at a time, gradually increasing to laugh at this demon, even though the demon was still torturing them and still terrifying them, but they laughed. And the more children in the classroom who laughed at this demon, it kind of got more and more uncomfortable and eventually it imploded. And it actually imploded and left a, a puddle of, of little sweets on the floor. Um, we know them as Smarties in, in the UK. Uh, I think they're M&Ms generally worldwide, kind of little candy-coated chocolate flying sorcery type things. Looks a bit like pills, you know what I'm saying. Um, and then I woke up and it was a really powerful dream. And I thought about it. And for me, it was about fear. It was about fear. I don't think for a moment that the, 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 the demon bird was the coronavirus, but I think the demon bird was fear, and it was controlling the children by fear. And the fear, when it was laughed at, imploded, 
and interesting that maybe there was nice things there when when it had imploded who knows i'm not quite sure about the meaning of that but very much it felt like this was a demon that needed to be laughed at because it was taking a lot of control and a lot of uh, putting a lot of fear out on people and i've been quite active on facebook and other social media over the last little while and seeing what's going on and seeing the amount of fear that is out there so I wanted to say a little bit about that from a shamanic point of view, from an animistic point of view too. In animism, everything is considered to have a spirit and a disease is no different to a tree and fear is no different to a disease. All things, all concepts have spirits and Adding to that, there are spirits that thrive off fear. In Tibetan tradition, there is a form of spirit called a gelpo. A gelpo is a spirit that provokes. It provokes very often by creating anxiety. Now, I'm not saying that there's a gelpo doing things in the world, but I'm saying that that's an example of a spirit that enjoys people being anxious and my teachings that I understand are that these spirits often will actually feed off. They will manifest anxiety and fear within people and within situations because it's good food for them. And at the moment, there's a feeding frenzy going on. I'm looking at social media and I'm looking at all the conspiracy theories about G5 and God knows what else. There's so much nonsense out there. And some of you I know are going to believe a lot of those and you're going to think, oh, he doesn't know anything. I'm not going to go on a lot about that. But actually, if you talk to reputable sources, proper reputable sources, who are people who know about these things, seriously know about them, they will just say it's crazy, the amount of crazy conspiracy theories out there. So I'm not going to go on a lot about conspiracy theories, but what I am going to say is they are part of the disease. They are part of the spreading of fear and they whip people up and the spirits out there love it. There's a concept or a spirit um, called the Manitou. Now, Manitou is an Algonquin word. Algonquin people are kind of woodland living people, Native Americans that live in the, the top of North America, um, kind of around the Canadian border and above and a little bit below. And the Manitou is a supernatural being that they feared greatly. And I've been hearing for quite a long time now that the idea that there is a spirit stalking the world called which people are calling the manitou i'm not sure if it really is the manitou of algonquin legend but people are calling it uh like a like a mind virus this it's a spirit that is being spread by disinformation and by fear and yeah i can go with that first time i heard this theory was maybe i don't know 10 years ago or something and it it rang true to me so i really want to say about not feeding the monsters not feeding the trolls um it's really important so a lot of this conspiracy sort of theory stuff and and these these bogus beliefs about coronavirus and about the fake cures and everything else connected to it they're just whipping it up so you Part of our responsibility is to be adults in the room. 
The world really needs adults in the room at this time. And if you are just running around as children, like in the classroom, that demon is going to torment you. It's going to torture you. And so our job is not to be tortured. Our job is to be grown-ups and to laugh at the demon of fear that is out there. And it's such a big fear and it's such a big demon and it's all around us. Now, I really want to stress that I am in no way saying that the coronavirus epidemic, pandemic, COVID-19, that's real. That is not a fake thing. It is not a bogus thing. It is not something that we should laugh at. Not at all. We should pay attention. We should do all of the healthcare things that we're being recommended to do. Washing our hands, all of those bits and pieces. What we should be laughing at is our own neuroses around it. Our own grasping on to the wish to have stability in our lives, which is impossible at this time. It's impossible anyway. Our lives only ever have a semblance of stability in. And when things like this come up and show us the real nature of impermanence, then we haven't got a hope in hell of being stable. We can't grasp to anything. We're in the sea and we may grasp to a a bit of straw, but that's really not going to save us. So we may as well laugh. We may as well laugh about it. I have a, a, a little quote at the bottom of all my emails from a 14th century Tibetan uh, Buddhist teacher called Longchenpa Ramjampa. And uh, it always makes me laugh and it reminds me to laugh about things. And the, the quote is, Since things neither exist nor do not exist are neither real or unreal, are utterly beyond adopting or rejecting, one might as well burst out laughing. That's good medicine. That's a good policy. So it's really important that you look after your own kind of spiritual and mental health at this time and you remain grounded. And if somebody offers you something that appears to be a fact, for goodness sake, fact check it, Google it, find it, find to see if reputable, proper news outlets have actually commented on it. You know, things like the New York Times, maybe, or the independent newspaper or the Guardian or the BBC, something like that. Sensible stuff. And yes, I know a lot of you are listening and you're saying, but they're not sensible. They're not good news things. It's all media. It's all hype. Well, I'm going to, what can I say? What can I say? You're going to live in a completely different world to me because for me, there are reputable news sources. And I think if you are an adult in the room, you will realize that. So I really encourage you to be an adult in the room. So, okay, don't feed the fears. Don't feed your fears. Don't spread fears. Don't whip up fears. That's number one rule. Wash your hands and don't spread fear. Stay grounded. Look after yourself in practical levels. Make sure that you have all of the sort of things and supplies that you need in your house. But don't panic by. Don't kind of go nuts to get all the things that are going to stop other people having them. Because that's important too. You're part of a community. And it's really important that you respect other people as much as you respect yourself. And look after your loved ones and look after people you don't know. We're all in this together. And yes, yeah, some of those people are going to be shits and they're not going to want to look after you in the slightest. But that doesn't mean that you should behave like a shit too. You are 
presumably listening to this podcast because you want to be a human being. You want to be somebody that is on a road that is a medicine path, somebody that is wanting to be a, not just a two-legged, but a human being, to use the Native American term. And so you need to act as a human being, and a human being is compassionate and isn't completely self-seeking. Yeah, look after yourself, it's important, but look after others too. You are in a community, and that is really important. And what goes around comes around. You treat people like shit, you'll be treated like a shit. That's the way it is. So let's look at some shamanic bits and pieces, some more magical bits and pieces. I said that a virus, and corona is no different, has a spirit. Now, if you do shamanic journeying, there is no reason why you can't go to your own spirits first. Always, always go to your own spirits first. You don't crash into the party. You kind of get an invite. So you go to your spirits first and you say to your spirits, is it worth my while talking to the spirit of Corona? Is there anything that I could benefit from by actually talking to that spirit? And if they say no, then don't do it. And if they say yes then you ask them to go with you and you talk to the spirit of the coronavirus and you see if you can get any sense out of it. My own experience about talking with uh, spirits of illness in, in that way is that they are so alien. They, they're hard work to communicate with. I've never tried to talk to the spirit of corona, really, because quite honestly, I've tried it with other spirits of inflammations and things, smaller spirits of illness, you know, as I say, inflammations within people and whatever. And I don't get much from it. They, they are, oh, it's really hard to describe, but they are so alien, it's really hard to communicate with them. You might get on a lot better than I do. So it's worth doing. It's worth asking your spirits, but it's really important that you ask your spirits first. You don't just go off gung-ho and go and try and talk to the spirit of Corona. You have your guys with you to protect you, to advise you, to guide you. And if you do manage to go and talk to the spirit of Corona, good luck and may it benefit you and all of your relatives because, you know, it's a big spirit. And I think some shamanic interventions may be quite useful. Now, on a more mundane level, um, in terms of protecting yourself, um, it's really quite important to smudge. Smudge is actually quite good on a physical level. I'm not sure how effective it is against virus, but it's very good against bacteria. And there is a whole tradition of using um, the, the smoke from medicinal herbs to uh, treat infections. Juniper is very good. Juniper is used in Tibetan and in other cultures as uh, a method of treating um, and, and epidemics. And so I've got into the habit of smudging my house, especially my threshold, uh, with juniper. Now, this... As I say, I don't know, and I'm not saying that it's going to stop any of the actual virus getting in touch, but it's certainly going to protect you on an elemental, on a spiritual level. It's going to cleanse on that kind of spirit level 
the, 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 the environment that you're living in. So keep your house smudged. Keep yourself smudged. Look after yourself on that spiritual level, because that's also part of the sort of countering of the toxicity of fear and any of the spirits that come around that want to feed off that and want to encourage it. So spiritual hygiene is really important, just like physical hygiene is. White sage, desert sage, rosemary is very good if you've got that, juniper if you can get some, whatever works for you, whatever you like to burn as a sacred plant, then use that. I'm not talking, obviously, I'm not talking about mind-altering plants or anything here. I'm talking about common or garden medicinal herbs like good old sage. Keep yourself smudged. It's important. If you are somebody who works with ritual objects like I do, you may have particular ritual objects that you like to wear for protection. I have various amulets. Um, I will, and I have done for many years, if I have to go to a medical situation, I always wear a shaman's mirror. The shaman's mirror uh, is, is a protection and uh, that, that is part of it. Um, now, I'm not going to say again that a shaman's mirror is going to stop a virus getting through to you, but any of these things also have a placebo effect, and that is not to be underrated. There's the opposite to a placebo, which is a, uh, it's a nocebo, I think is the word for it. I think that's the scientific word for it. And that's like cursing yourself. So it's like if you are feeling doomful, which is also why I'm going on about fear quite a lot. If you are feeling doomful and open to infection and everything being wrong, then you'll bring it upon yourself. You will self-curse. And that's how a lot of so-called magical curses work. People think that they are cursed and then they curse themselves. So the placebo effect of wearing a ritual object is actually really beneficial. I actually think, because of the nature of them being sacred objects, that they actually have a physical effect too. I also do work, before I got involved in shamanism, I was involved in some kind of psychism type work many, many, many decades ago. And in that work, we learnt to put a kind of auric protection around ourselves. And I find that very useful. Again, I've been doing that for decades when I'm in a situation and someone's sneezing or something. I immediately put a force field all around me. I imagine, I create, I conjure with my mind an envelope of protection around myself. All of these things can be done practice it. If you haven't done that, it's going to take a little while for you to get good at visualizing it. So you visualize it in whatever way is right for you. Some people visualize they're wearing like a spacesuit or they're putting a big dustbin bag over themselves or whatever. It doesn't matter. You're not creating that physically. You're just using it as a metaphor for your mind to create the thought form. And that is an essential part of shamanism and buddhism and lots of other practices i've talked about uh use of the imagination in a previous podcast it's really really important i always start my day too by putting uh purbas around me the uh, ritual daggers from tibet i visualize them in the 10 directions around me that's the uh in front of me behind me to the left of me to the right of me 
in between the left and the front, in between the front and the right. You get what I'm saying. I don't need to do them all. And above and below the 10 directions. So I place a protection of an invisible thought form purba around me. And I have been doing that. Well, really, I've been doing that since I was 15. I've been doing that a bloody long time. It is a good practice to do. I also then do a separate practice. I... um. I, I imagine uh, throwing out of the circle that those purbas have made any contaminants, anything that is defiling the space around me. Um, I, I, uh, I flick it away, so I'm pushing it outside. Again, in the ten directions, I flick out any defilements, any pollutants, any kind of stuff that I really don't want in my circle, whatever that is. And I think these sorts of visualizations can be done to help you stay well and stay focused and keep you grounded. Don't get all sort of um, full of, uh, of fear about doing them and make them into some sort of ritualistic superstition and get neurotic about it, because that's not going to help. Keep that sense of humor. That's really important, too. If you journey, one of the things that you can do is that you can go and talk to your spirits and you can say, how can I protect myself? And you can ask them maybe to help you or introduce you to a spirit that will work as a protector spirit. Because I do Tibetan Buddhism, I have a lot of protector spirits, those wrathful dudes with their necklaces of human heads and things like that, which I am being initiated into their practices. I can call upon them. I know their mantras. I have their practices. Now, you may or may not have practices like that. If you do, great, do them. If you don't, go and talk to your spirits and ask them to give you practices that you can do to protect yourself and to, to really help support your own system. And as I say, you can ask your spirits to introduce you to a protector spirit, one that loves you, that wishes to work with you and wishes to keep you safe. And you can talk to that spirit and ask how you can call upon its help. All of these little things will help you. There's not going to be one big thing. There's not going to be one fail-safe protection. But you wash your hands, you smudge your house, you self-isolate, you do all of these little bits and pieces. You talk to your spirits. You do things that are going to strengthen your connection to the spirit world. And maybe you have a protector spirit, like I said. All of these little bits are incremental. They all help you stay healthy and maintain a healthy relationship with yourself, with the world and with the spirit world. Important stuff. Now, like I said a little bit earlier, you're part of a community. Now, your community may be the people who live in your street or your block of flats or in your village, or they may be the community of people that you know online, but you are connected to people. You have at least some connection, even if it's only to me because you're listening to this podcast. And part of being a grown-up in the room is looking after that community as I'm talking now in this podcast, in a few days' time, I've got a pipe ceremony that I'm going to be doing. And because of corona, I'm not doing it in terms of there being a circle of people in the room. But I've put out on Facebook and I've said to people, look, I'm doing a pipe ceremony. If you want your prayers and your name to be included in that pipe ceremony, let me know. And at the moment, I've got something like two or 300 people that I'm going to be doing the pipe ceremony for and I will do the pipe and they will all be included in that. 
You have things that you can do for your own community. Maybe it's just for your family. Maybe it's just for a few friends. Maybe it's for your Facebook friends. You can find some form of ceremony. Maybe you've got ceremonies. If you haven't, maybe you can create one. Maybe you can talk to your spirits about it and get them to give you a ceremony you can do. And you can do things to benefit all beings, to benefit all of the other humans, especially around at this time, that need your help. You are going to be the grown-up in the room. You can do this. You can create some form of ceremony that enables people to make prayers, to be blessed, to do whatever it is that they need to maintain them, to help them, to foster their strength. And they will do the same for you. We help each other at this time. We help each other in lots of different ways. You know, on a physical level, people are going out and getting medicines for people or food or whatever it is that the other people can't get, especially the elderly people that are being self-contained. So you do the same with spirit stuff. It's important that we pray for each other. It's important that we look after each other. It's important that we are of benefit to each other. So I encourage you to find ceremonies that you can do for the benefit of all beings and let people know so that they know. they. It's important that people are encouraged. I could have done that pipe ceremony for everybody in the world and yet nobody would know about it if I hadn't have said anything. But the very fact that I have said it and people have heard it, and people know that it's happening, gives them heart. We need to encourage, enheart people. And that is why I'm doing this podcast. So I've gone on enough. I've rambled enough. I'm going to send you again all my blessings and all my prayers. May you be safe. May all your relatives be safe. May all your loved ones be safe. May your jobs be safe. May you have enough food. May you have enough shelter. May you have enough comfort. May you have enough courage. May you be encouraged and able to do all that you can to help your other fellow human beings and be adults in the room. Blessings to you all. I'll be back in another podcast, hopefully fairly soon. Catch you later. Oh, let me give the details. I forget, I forget, I forget. Okay, email nick at sacredhoop.org. If you'd like to subscribe to Sacred Hoop magazine and... Please do if you're not a subscriber. I've got to say, um, the, uh, the the our subscriber, re, you know, people actually subscribing in the last couple of weeks has dropped off. People are panicking, I think, and not spending. But uh, you can get a very low cost subscription to the magazine at uh, sacredhoop.org forward slash offer dot html. And uh, this website for the podcast and for my um, ritual object gallery is threeworlds.co.uk. That's the number three, not the word three. Okay, catch you later, guys. Thank you. Blessings. Bye-bye.